welcome to part two of my conversation with Andre Thomas, game-based learning expert and director of the Live Lab and the Visualization Program at Texas A&M University. In this episode, we explore the exciting world of artificial intelligence. Andre shares his views on how AI can personalize learning experiences, enhance engagement, and potentially revolutionize various aspects of our lives. I also learned some new tools I'm really excited to try out. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Okay, so I have to ask you, and it's related, but we've talked about this on the podcast before, and I would love to get your perspective on AI. So ChatGPT and other AI platforms are kind of turning education upside down. Um, I teach a course of undergraduate pre-service teachers, and we've seen some interesting submissions <laughs> of copy and paste from ChatGPT, but also like helping students understand things better by using the tool. I've used it to help me write assessments, to come up with lesson plans, to respond to students, like help me draft an email. I don't know how to you know, approach this. So I've used it personally, but I would love to get your take on AI and also if it connects to game-based learning. Yeah. So personally, I've got to be honest. I've heard all the, you know, the, the headlines and so on since last fall, and I really didn't pay much attention to it. It's like, okay, well, it's a typical media hype. You know, we had the same kind of hype when computers came about. Oh my God, you know, and it was quite a while before computers made it into the classroom. And if we're like, okay, well, these are headlines, you know, a lot of wow. Um, then I went to a conference, a gaming conference, and I met up with some of my former colleagues and I asked him, so what do you think about, you know, the whole AI thing? And it's like, oh, oh, we use it every day in our business now. It helps us write code uh, that would typically take two weeks. We now get it done in two hours. And, I, and then really at that moment, I was like, it dawned on me how far behind I am and how as a faculty, I need to catch up really, really fast to prepare our students for the real world out there, because if the real world of companies are using AI, our students got to be prepared for it. It's not AI that's going to take jobs away, but it's a person that knows AI and can use AI effectively that's going to get the job versus a person that can't. So I started looking, okay, well, ChatGPT, what else is out there? And it's like, I mean, tens, if not hundreds of AI tools. It's overwhelming. Demic research for creating images, video. I mean, you name it. And every week, new tools are coming out, being released. And so we have to really catch up and get ahead of it. But I don't think we can get ahead of it, or at least on top of it and understand and make sense of it so we can teach our students. I believe, personally, it's wrong to forbid it uh, because... It's here, it's already being used. We're not gonna, you know, we can't ignore it. We have to incorporate it. We have to, just like when the calculator came, we can't say, okay, well, no, forget the calculator. You're gonna, you know, do your math with paper and pencil. Or actually, you know what? 
go and make your own ink before you start writing. We don't do that anymore. It could be done, but we don't. And so we need to figure out how do we incorporate it into our lessons, into our classroom. And we also need to be aware of the shortcomings. Um, so I say here at the conference in Malta was also about AI. And one of the topics we talked about is the ethics around it. Well, these are great tools and they can be used. We got to be aware that all of those tools are currently based on the existing data. Now, what does that mean? The existing data, so the tools go out and look through the existing digital data that's accessible online and then build their answers based on that. That existing data obviously gets added to every day from humans and now also from AI. And that's the results we're getting. But remember, that data is very biased because the way the data is labeled and where the data comes from. So guess what? The poorest in our nation or in the world, they're not adding to the data. They don't have digital devices. They're not online contributing to the data set from which we're harvesting and creating solutions. Number one, I'd say um, a lot of people on the planet that are not connected or creating data from which we can consume. And you take the next one, let's take the image generation. Oh, you know, mid-journey or DALI, you know, we can create these images. Well, where are these images coming from? From the ones that are online. Well, I would posit that uh, probably 90% of the world's images are not online. I know, my, my two-year-old just made a drawing. That never made it in the data. Yeah, especially artwork from South Africa, mm -hmm. from um, South America, from India, from China, I mean, you take it, you know, from all these places, because what we find is, oh, well, it's all the stuff we know here in the West and um, in Europe or in, in the US, but the rest of the planet has not contributed to the data set from which we're generating. So it's very, very limited and very, very biased. It doesn't make it bad. It's just something that we really need to be aware of that when we're using these tools, or having the discussions with our students, hey, be aware, this is what's gonna happen. And remember, the AI, the generative AI, they are now creating new data, new images, new text, that's getting added to that already um, biased data, which can further the problem. And so it's something we need to be aware of. In Europe, they're already working on regulations around AI and how to deal with that. Um, because there's all kinds of implications. I think we're just scratching the surface. But I also believe it's really, really exciting. I mean, the um, accelerant, what this provides us, you know, somebody was saying yesterday, oh, you know, every sci-fi they've seen or heard, you know, it's always doom and gloom. It's terrible. You know, AI, you know, what it will do to humanity. And I reminded them, well, you know, there was a TV series, a uh, some people might have heard of that came out in the 60s that showed us how beautiful AI can be and how helpful AI can be. A TV series is called Star Trek and Data in Star Trek is AI and he's really helpful and, and beneficial to humanity. He's a huge asset. So if we view it in that line as, okay, here's an asset that we can use and how do we work with it? and make it useful. I, I think it'll be wonderful. 
have you started personally using AI in your work or personal life? I've started to first do an inventory of all of the different AIs that are out there to understand what can I use, what should I use, in what circumstance when I do things. We are using AI in the lab now to do um, reviews to really, it really helps, um, you know, getting through a big um, amount of literature um, for synthesis, you know, getting to the core of research articles much faster than than a human could do mm. and so obviously we also check um, the results um, against it but it's it is a game changer what is that um, platform because i need that um uh, that's ryan uh, okay. r-a-y-y-a-n yes for any other grad students out there <laughs> <laughs> are there other platforms that you've started using, so ChatGPT is like just taken over and everybody knows that one. Um, yeah. Are there others that maybe teachers should be aware of? Well, actually I'm not using ChatGPT. We're using AutoGPT. Because um, AutoGPT is the, I like to call it the advanced version of ChatGPT. Because AutoGPT will go out and correct itself and continue. So you give it one prompt and then it will continually seek and correct itself until it comes up versus um, chat GPT. You have to continuously interact with, with auto GPT. You can just say, okay, um, find me the blue and white striped car in the world. Um, you know, that looks like this. And then it will just, you know, kind of go out and start based on the results, refining them, go out again without any further input. Um, and it's, up to date. So with ChatGPT, there's a limitation. I think it's 2020, up until which you can search auto GPT. It's you know today. Um, you know anything, any data set um, up until today um, that can be searched and so on. I had not heard that one. I am going to add that <laughs> to my list. Wow. Okay. I feel like we could have a whole podcast on just AI, and I understand that you're presenting about AI as well, like connected to game-based learning. Yes, um, so AI has been used in games for a very long time. Um, now, it's not the AI that we're talking about um, right now with um, ChatGPT and so on, but um, non-player characters, as we call them, NPCs, in games, that's essentially AI. As a player, you interact with other characters that are not driven by humans. That's AI in games. And AI itself has been, it's not a new thing. Research has been going on for quite some time. I mean, from the 60s, actually. And we had uh, moments in that research where it got quite hyped and then, you know, some investment and then it fell. And, you know, again, we've seen that. So we're now at, at another hype cycle. And what I foresee, we actually have AI now that can assist in making games, so create the art assets for, for your games, making it easier for game designers, game developers to make games and um, create sound, create images. I haven't seen anything yet that can design levels because at the end of the day, the levels that you play in a game, for example, they're, you know, humans are going to play them. And... I haven't seen AIs that can really tune towards a human. What do humans really like and don't like? But I foresee uh, that's going to come, you know, within the year 
we're going to see is that because it can learn if it has enough people out there playing these levels, it can learn from it and then fine tune them to really get to something. Yes, that's what people like. Of course, AI can be really, really useful in testing games. So I can let the AI loose on a game and, and go and test every possibility, um, you know, how to break the game, you know, where are the bugs in the game. And that's really, really useful. And that saves a lot of time I'm going through this because that's, um, you know, very time consuming and labor intensive currently. A final question. Um, what are you maybe most excited about in the future of both game-based learning and AI in the next, say, five years? Oh. <laughs> Big picture. Yeah, so I believe um, currently in the game-based learning space, we have games, but we don't really have anything else, the infrastructure. It's like in 1920 when you have a car, and it's like, oh, great, we have a car. Now I can get from um, Seattle to Washington, D.C., but... I can't because there's no roads, there's no gas stations, there's no mechanics, there's no um, driving schools. It's a cool thing, looks cool, makes some sound, but the infrastructure is missing. So we have the same currently with game-based learning. We don't have the infrastructure. Where do you go to find games um, that connect to your LMSs, help with grading, and so on, all of that infrastructure that will be here in the next five years. Actually, we're working on that right now. And so I'm really excited, which then means all of those educational games out there are really accessible to everybody in an easy um, manner where teachers can choose and select multiple different games for their subjects and incorporate them easily. So I think within five years, we'll probably see many, if not all, classrooms use games as part of their classes. And I also believe in the next five years, the scaremongering around AI has faded away and we're embracing this as a really cool technology, helpful technology that helps us, truly helps us take a lot of tedious, boring tasks and make it no longer tedious and boring. Because as human beings, our brains are really evolved and AI cannot mimic us. We're very, very far away from sentient beings that are AI and can mimic um, the higher functions of our brain. And as humans, we should be spending our time on those higher things, on um, designing the world, creating things, engineering things, and you, know, you name it, um, discovering new things. And let's the tedious things like, okay, let's do your accounting, let's do your bookkeeping. Let's say AI handles that. You know, oh, what do we do for dinner next week? Your AI can handle that. Why do you need to spend your brain power on those kind of things, right? So I believe AI probably within the next five years become everybody has a personal um, assistant um, in their pocket. We already have that somewhat with Siri and Alexa. But they're going to be really smart and they're going to be saying, oh, Natasha, I know you need some milk. Don't worry. You do not have to go to the grocery store. I already took care of it. It is on your front step, on your front door when you get home. Um, please enjoy the evening reading with a wonderful book you've been looking forward to reading. What a pleasant assistant I will have. <laughs> there you go. I love that. That is a very positive vision because there 
is a lot of negative uh, rhetoric out there on AI and the potential downside to it. But I think that this is a very hopeful and positive um, view. And I will, I subscribe to this view. I, I like this vision. Um, and I think it's very much an equalizer and that it will have, you know, it's not just the wealthy that will have these assistants. It will be all of us that will have yes. access. And that's, yes. I know, part of your um, mission with game-based learning is for those kids that are struggling. It's not just the A yes. student for every kid to learn yes. calculus and all these that's other right. important subjects. Yes. And you, you hit it on the nail. It's, imagine if the world was equal, right? If we all had equal access, um, no matter where you come from, economically, socially, uh, you know, as a, the color of your skin, your, your, your background, ethnicity, and so on. If we all had the equal access and the equal opportunities, what we could be doing and what a wonderful world we could be creating around us and the problems we could be solving um, together, having that kind of access and that opportunity, yes. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me on STEM Space. We will link all of the, the workshops and these opportunities for teachers because this is the future. It's here, but it's also gonna be even more part of our future of education. I think the course that you're teaching will eventually be required for you know, new teachers to understand this technology because um, it's so useful for all of our students. Uh, thank you again for joining. Thank, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Are you looking for low prep, high quality, and engaging STEM units? Become a STEM Space member. You will get instant access to Vivify's growing collection of over 200 K through eighth grade STEM lessons. Membership also includes professional development videos that are added each month and can earn you continuing education credits. Join today through the link in the show notes to Vivify your STEM teaching.